Today on the Profitable Trady Podcast. If you have frustrations with your team, maybe they're not performing as you want, or they're not buying into the culture, or they're not as motivated as you want, you need to listen to this episode. There are times when empowering your team is actually a really bad idea, because what they need in that moment is actually to have their hands held, and they want to be micromanaged, so that they're given the skill set that they actually need to complete the task well. The most remarkable thing about your story, Phil, is that um, I cannot believe that you would run out of chat after 15 minutes. That I've never experienced that from you. Were there computers in the Stone well, Age? Well, yeah, in the Stone Age there was. But I've it, heard you talk nothing but shit about this guy. So. No, he's actually a hell of a nice guy but when you work for him it was a nightmare uh, you'd be working at your desk and he would be hovering around you like a flipping vulture like a bad smell like it's like flies around poo as the leader in your trade or service business you play a crucial role in driving the success of the team however managing a team is no easy feat especially when you're dealing with different personalities motivations and skill sets Tune into today's episode where we discuss how you can adapt your leadership style to get the most out of your team and help them achieve their potential and you improve your business results. You're listening to the Profitable Trady Podcast, where we'll help you turn your business into a money-making machine. We know you're busy, so we'll make it worth your time. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, time is money, and we're here to help you make more of both. So hit the follow button, and let's get started. To the podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Tony Fraser-Jones, uh, host of the Profitable Trading Podcast, and I'm here with my sidekick and good mate, Phil Smith. How you doing, buddy? Always good, man. Yeah, it's good. feeling good. Ready good to stuff. go. Let's get into it, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. What are we talking about today? Well, mate, growing a great team that you can rely on is crucial to your success as a business owner. So, you know, growing a team, if they're good, allows you to make more money, and more importantly, allows you to take vacations and holidays whilst the business is still working and making money. Yeah, and like the whole purpose of a business is that it's a, you know, it's a commercial profitable enterprise that works without you, which does require you to have a team. And I know that uh, teams can be super frustrating, uh, but they're absolutely critical to getting a great business. And uh, it's something you want to get really good at. Yeah, totally. And I think the hard thing is that as you grow that team, you know, you're going to need to delegate stuff to them. You need them to uh, pull their weight and get stuff done, which is cool. But the hard part is uh, how to approach it so that you give them the best shot at success. And I think the really tough thing here is that uh, there are different approaches that are needed in any situation with any different person, and no one teaches you how to actually do this well uh, or how to adapt that style to different people. Uh, and often that becomes an area of huge frustration. You know, how do I get my team to perform? I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to do that, I'm trying to do things the right way, but uh, I just don't really have the skills. So. Yeah, and like you say, no one trains you how to be a great leader. You do an apprenticeship, you learn how to do uh, the stuff, you know, out in the field on the job. Uh, but if you want to grow a great business that's not all reliant on you, it does require a team and that you know requires you to be good at leadership and it's not stuff we really get taught, uh, which is a bit of an issue because I know you know with the members we deal with and the thousands of people we've talked with, uh, you know how to manage their team is right up there with uh, the big thorny issues that they face. 100% for sure. Yeah, 100%. 100% for sure. again. I got that 100% in there. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, definitely. And I, I think the big thing is, uh, you know, you really need to get across the fact that everybody is different. And if you want to grow a great team, you're going to have a bunch of different personalities, different skill sets, different experience levels, uh, different levels of commitment, which is something we'll talk about today. Uh, so being a good leader means that you, you really have to be able to manage lots of different people's styles and, you know, handle them differently because they are different. And yeah. so... Really, there's this leadership theory called uh, situational leadership, which is a huge help here, uh, and that's what we'll dig into today. Yeah, like it's uh, it's an established theory, and I think uh, if you're listening, you'll find this really helpful to improve your your leadership style. And it's really simple. If you think about if you've got an experienced tradesperson, you know, odds on they're going to lead a different style to someone who's a fresh apprentice, you know, apprentice just starting out. They're yeah, 100%. kind of different beasts, right? 
Well, definitely. I mean, you're not going to chuck your apprentice out in a van on their own on their first day of their first year and just say, hey, go tackle these jobs. I mean, they have no idea which way's up at that point. You know, it's very, very different from having an experienced journeyman, isn't it? So, 100%. 100%. Oh, we're doing it again. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure you got a story to kick us off. I man. do have a story. So uh, back at, uh, a long time ago in a different universe, uh, I was actually doing some uh, computer, uh, building computer programs. Uh, were there computers in the Stone well, Age? Yeah, in the Stone Age there was. Oh. Uh, and uh, we were working at a government department that collected fines, uh, you know, when people were fined, and uh, we are building this computer system. And I was part of a team developing the system, and there was four of us, and I remember the manager we had, this guy named Mike. He's actually a, a really nice guy, uh, if you didn't, you know, if you didn't work for him. <laughs> but I've heard you talk nothing but about this guy so. no he's actually a hell of a nice guy but when you work for him it was a nightmare yeah so yeah, yeah. the way it would roll is uh, you'd be working at your desk and he would be hovering around you like a flipping vulture like a bad smell like like flies around poo always hanging around and checking in like how are you going with this uh how long is that going to take you to finish when are you going to be done with this oh we need this by then it was just constantly pestering me totally micromanaging me I think it took more of my time to tell him to bugger off, uh, which I did in my head a lot. I probably should have done it verbally a bit more. It just did my head in and completely demoralised me and and destroyed my productivity because he was just micromanaging me all the time. drove me absolutely insane. Now, I wasn't useless at what I was doing. I had some idea of what I was doing. I was a very motivated person at that stage. So it was just the opposite of what I needed to actually be successful. Yeah. Uh, Very, very frustrating. Yeah, sounds like it. The old micromanager... Uh, in some situations, can be a nightmare. Yeah, but look, on the other hand, like, if I could tell a, a side of the story, look, when I first moved to France, um, obviously I was over there playing footy, but uh, one thing I did during the day sometimes was I'd go and help out at this local high school um, and, you know, just do some some language assistant stuff where I'd go in and talk, you know, English with the, with the kids, just help them practice. Um, good way to pass the time. Anyway, uh, I went in there and on day one, this teacher comes up to me and she says, cool, so for the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, Mexico. And I was like, yeah, cool. And she's like, sweet, so you know, off you go. And I turned up and after about 15 minutes, I was like, I'm out of chat. Like, uh, And I, I've been to Mexico. I'd been three times to Mexico at that point. Um, and she's like, left me with six weeks worth of talking about Mexico. And I didn't know what to do. I'd never written a lesson plan. I didn't know what the curriculum looked like. I didn't know what I was supposed to say or do. I didn't know what language assistance did. So I was like, we just talked about Mexico. And honestly, we just talked about drug cartels and guns the whole time. Because that's what the kids wanted to talk about. Uh, and... I ran out of chat really quick. And what I really needed there was micromanagement because I had never done that before. I didn't understand the context. I didn't understand what I was trying to achieve or what formula or format to follow. Like the whole thing was a shambles. And honestly, I feel sorry for those kids because they probably didn't get the learning they deserved. So it's funny because for you and your example, you know, you absolutely didn't need the micromanagement. You knew what you were doing. You needed him to butt out. But for me, in that situation, I absolutely needed the micromanagement. And in fact, I craved it. I needed it because uh, I had no idea. So well, it's horses for courses. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And the most remarkable thing about your story, Phil, is that um, I cannot believe that you would run out of chat after 15 minutes. That, I've never experienced that from you. Like, well, I've got to tell the truth. We totally didn't run out of chat. It just wasn't about Mexico anymore. It was just uh, rubbish chat. Yeah, we ended up watching music videos and uh, <laughs> talking about what they had for dinner and... <laughs> and what they were going to do on the weekend, stuff like that. So, again, I feel sorry for the kids, man. They probably didn't learn anything, but, hey, look, that's what you get, you know. You don't yeah. give anyone the tools, and what are they going to do? That's right. So 
definitely uh, it is horses for courses and the way you lead people is going to depend on where they're at. Totally, 100%. And if we don't do this properly, we're going to run into some problems, right? For sure. So if you if you don't figure out how people need to be led and what, what they need in this situation, uh, it can lead to a lot of communication problems. You're not reaching people with what they need to be communicated with. You know, you're not giving them what they need. Yep. Uh, you get frustrated people. You know, if you micromanage them too much, they're really frustrated. If you don't give them the information they need and, and you know, they need it, then they're frustrated as well. People can get pretty anxious as well if they're kind of left to their own devices and don't know what to do. 100%. They, they get really stressed out. Dude, in that school, uh, after the third lesson, they asked me, like, cool, what progress have you made? Can you show us in the charts? And I was like, what charts? So I went home and I made these stupid PowerPoints <laughs> and I gave them in. And, like, to this day, I just shudder thinking about those PowerPoints because they would have made no sense. Like, I didn't even know what charts they were talking about. Yeah, so I was anxious as hell. Yeah, like, yeah, you get people get stressed out. And it does lead to, you know, overall poor performance. It can lead to more mistakes, more rework, uh, frustrations. It leads to potentially higher team turnover. Yep. as well so more people leaving because they're not happy with how they're being treated which is obviously terrible for business mm. uh, you know it's hard enough to get good tradespeople and techs and good people in the office the last thing you want to do is the good ones to leave or, or people to leave as well totally totally and on the other hand like we could get this right and we, we experience the yeah. benefits the first thing is that your employees and your team are going to be managed the way that they want to be managed and more importantly the way they need to be managed mm. uh, you get a team that's way more motivated they're much happier with what they're doing there's less stress for them that leads to less employee turnover, uh, and that's better productivity and profits. Uh, you know, for for you as the business owner, which is uh, what you want from your team. Yeah, I mean, these are all good things. So, how do we do it? This is a special message for our listeners. If you're feeling overwhelmed with your business, struggling to make a profit, or you just can't seem to get a moment of downtime, we want to help. Book a call with us today for a free coaching session and let us help you turn things around. We'll provide you with actionable tips and strategies to get your business back on track. So don't wait, book your free coaching session now and let's make your business a success. Just click the link in the show notes to schedule your call and we really look forward to speaking with you soon. There's a quote that I love, you know, if the only tool you have is a hammer, then every problem resembles a nail. Yeah. Uh, which basically means is if, if you only have one way of managing people, you know, if you're quite a firm and kind of dictator type person, if that's the only way you do it, you think everyone needs to be treated like that. And so you treat them all like that. If that's the only tool you've got. But that's not necessarily going to work for everyone. So it's about actually getting some different tools in your leadership toolbox you know, maybe it's a screwdriver and some pliers and et cetera, et cetera, to deal with different situations. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Are you telling me that not everybody wants their ears talked off? God damn it. I well, should've... it's, um, I know it's hard to take. So have I been screwing this up the whole, oh man, damn it. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm out of words. I've got nothing. Well, I'm never out of words. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, that's good. That's on the podcast because if I ever need a rest, I just let you go, yeah, bro. Just drink your tea, mate. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it's nice so tea. Tony's got his damn cumin tea again, honestly. Oh, horrible stuff. stuff. Horrible stuff. Don't hate Stinks. on it, mate. Um, yeah, mate. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it is like that, though, right? You know, you, you bring your own style into leadership and you just think that's what everybody needs because that's what you needed and so that's what you do and so that's what everyone gets, but actually everybody's different. So they are. We need to be able to adapt. So I'm sure you had a, another little yarn about your grandma, didn't you? This oh, is what you were yeah. telling me before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just stuck with a story about my, my grandma, a lovely lady. Uh, she passed away a while ago now. But anywho, um, she said, look, you know, a five-year-old child could cross the road. Yeah, they can actually cross the road. Yeah. Physically, they can do it. I mean, they can walk, right? They can walk. Mm. Uh, but you wouldn't let them do it because it's crazy. It's dangerous for them. 
uh, you know, they're probably going to get squished. And they, they can't see properly. They don't have peripheral vision. They don't have awareness. They can't judge speed and distance. So, you know, taking a hands-off sort of leadership approach to the child across the road makes absolutely no sense. Well, uh, and that's the same in business. There's some people who actually do need to be micromanaged. They, they do need a lot more support than others. And I think actually the, the thing to really hit here is that there's actually levels in between because you've got a situation where, you know, you, my, I've got a seven-month-old uh, son and, you know, he actually could crawl across the road. But uh, I'm going to pick him up and I'm going to do all the walking and he to take that right out of his hands, right? On the other hand, I've got a four-year-old who, you know, she could easily walk across the road. Now, I'm going to hold her hand as she's not getting any say in this. Uh, and then I've got an almost six-year-old son and when he crosses the road, <clears throat> I don't hold his hand uh, because he wants to think he's in control. But I'm absolutely walking with him and if he makes one step out of line, I'm grabbing the back of his shirt. So the thing is, is like there's actually levels to that as far as how much control you th you let them think they have. Even. Well, my kids are a bit older, so my 17-year-old son wouldn't let me be seen in the same street as him as he crosses the road. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But I suppose that's the whole the whole key, right, is that, um, you know, within the situational leadership model, you know, with any skill, um, you know, it's, it's also not a an all the way one end or the other. You know, it's not a I do it for you and micromanage or you do it all on your own. There are actually levels in between and, and that's what we're about to dive into. And I think that's the whole key is everybody's different, uh, both in terms of their skill levels and their attitudes. And that's a really big point. Uh, you know, it's reasonable uh, to think that, you know, how you manage management of people is going to depend on skill, but it, attitude is actually a really big thing about this as well. Right? Yeah, that's, that's huge. And so... There's a, a theory called situational leadership, which puts some science behind this, which really helps. Great tool uh, that we're going to dig into today. And it was developed by a couple of guys, Paul Hershey and Ken Blanchard, and I think the late 60s, early 70s. So it's been around ages. And Blanchard's actually written a bunch of other books as well, The One Minute Manager and Leading at a Higher Level. Mm. Super, super juicy stuff. Uh, and basically this is the most sort of widely recognised leadership theory in the world. It's been studied by heaps of people. Millions of people have used it. And it's all about adapting your leadership style to actually fit the needs of your team members rather than just a one-size-fits-all or, you know, yeah. every problem resembling a nail if you've got a hammer as a tool. Yeah, 100%. And basically, the, this model's pretty simple. It uses two dimensions to assess the employees, like we said. So it's competence on one uh, axis. So if you imagine a, an axis, which is uh, going up a y-axis and an x-axis, you've got a bit of a, a grid. Um, and on the one side, you've got competence or skill. Uh, and then on the other axis, you've got commitment, uh, which is around attitude. It's how do they feel about the task at hand. So obviously in this case, competence is all about their ability to perform the task. So, you know, how competent are they to actually execute? Are they skilled? Are they trained? Have they done it before? Have they done it lots of times? And in this case, yeah, a tradesperson with 10 years experience, they've trained three apprentices, they're going to be pretty damn competent uh, in what they're doing. And then on the other hand, apprentice on day one is you know, all the way at the bottom of that scale. They don't know anything. No competence. Um, and the thing is, is even somebody with heaps of uh, experience, you know, someone like that 10-year tradesman, there will be different levels of competence on different skills. So, you know, some jobs, they're going to be super competent. Others, they might not. Like they might have done heaps of, you know, residential maintenance and absolutely no industrial work. So, you know, if they went and worked for an industrial-based company, uh, you know, their competence level is not the same, even though they have the experience in terms of tenure. So then on your other axis, you've got commitment, which is the employee's level of like motivation and confidence uh, in performing that task. And almost, and the other one, and this is like less talked about, but it's how much do they actually care about it? Like, do they understand it? Is it on their radar? Is it something they enjoy doing? Uh, all this comes into their commitment. And so basically like an employee is highly committed, uh, is going to need less guidance and support, but also less motivation 
and less driving and pushing because they're right into it. They want to do this thing. And someone with no commitment, you know, they might be really, really skilled. They just hate that task. And so they've got no commitment. They don't see the value in it, right? With the commitment, there's a, yeah, it is about their willingness and motivation. There's another little thing here, and I'm sure if you're listening, you've seen this with some of your tradespeople or your technicians. They're actually really, really competent, but they lack a bit of confidence yeah. in their ability. And so they need constant reassurance. That's it. And, yeah. they, you know, they're always looking for someone just to tell them that they've done the right thing. And yeah. I know if you're listening, it probably does your head in because you're like, just flip and do it. Like, you've yeah. got it covered. <laughs> uh, but they lack that confidence. So that that sort of correlates with the commitment thing as well. If they, I mean, if, if they actually have the skills and they want to do it, but they lack the confidence, then they're probably a little bit down on the commitment uh you know, end as well. Totally. And I mean, it can go the other way as well, where they're just supremely confident, uh, absolutely committed. They think they've got it now, but they've got no skills. And so they, they just got to blunder into a massive family. Yeah, we've all seen some of those. <laughs> Definitely this does happen. So basically when you've got those two factors, you give each one a rating. So uh, the rating is out of two. So you either get a zero, a one, or a two, where two would be completely at the higher end of the scale. You've got it nailed. This is not a problem. Right down through a one, which is, uh, you know, it's okay, it's not bad, it's in the middle, and a zero, which is like, yeah, they, they can't do that, they're not scoring well there. Yeah, so so as an example, on the competence scale, if someone was, uh, you know, changing out a hot water cylinder, and they've done it 50 times, and they've trained three apprentices to do it, uh, and they can do it with their eyes closed, they are two incompetence. Yeah, 100%. Whereas on the other hand, I might have done it 50 times, but I'm the kind of person that lacks confidence and that skill doubts myself constantly. So yeah, I might not think I'm useless, but I'm not supremely confident. So I might only be a one in terms of commitment. Uh, and therefore, like you get a cross-reference of the two numbers. So because you have them each on one axis, uh, you've got you know commitment up one side, you've got competence up the other. Uh, you score each one out of two and then basically make a grid out of it and get a total score. So for example, if I'm a two in competence, uh, and I'm a one in uh, confidence or commitment, then all up I'm a three. Two plus one equals three. And so people can get any total score up from zero because they're a zero on both. Um, they could be a one, you know, a one and a zero. They could be a two, which is any variations. They could be a three or they could be a four, which is I'm at the high end of both scales. Yeah. And when you get that overall number, it tells you exactly how to manage that person. So an overall zero don't give it to them. Give it to someone else. This belongs to somebody else, yep. <laughs> at least for the moment, because that means that they suck and they don't care. <laughs> uh, so don't give the task to that person. It doesn't matter what task it is. And then a one, so that's somebody who you know either is kind of all good but doesn't care or they uh, care a little bit but they're not all good. Uh, this person needs maximum training and maximum micromanagement. And not only that, but they desperately want it. So me going into that school, I was a one. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, so I was a zero for competence and I was committed like I wanted to do this but like I didn't need to do it it was just something to do with my day and I thought oh, this is all right so maybe I was a one I needed macro management I needed it so yeah you need to give it to them a two is somebody where uh, you still need to be in control so you're going to make the plan of attack uh, you're going to coach them on how they need to perform the task and you'll follow up and check in. So basically, it's not quite micromanagement where you're over their shoulder, but you're definitely pretty heavily involved. Uh, and then you reach the line of basically three or four, it's their job. Yeah, so so with a three, you know, the, the responsibilities rest with them a whole lot more. And if they're a three, you get them to make the plan. Uh, you maybe just help out or clarify any points, and you cheer them on. Yeah. You know, crack on. And if they're a four, you just leave it with them. They're a rock That's star. It. They know what to do. They're totally committed. It's like a hands-off job. You just delegate the outcome to them and let them crack on. Yeah, and that's the beauty of that one. When somebody's a four, all you do is tell them, this is what I'm after, 
and they make the plan of how to achieve it and then it's all their job. Don't even check in because actually when you check in with a four, it's condescending uh, and they don't like it. And yeah, if and that, that bothers you, that's a you thing. Yeah, and for me, in that situation we talked about, uh, I didn't need micromanagement. I needed someone to treat me like a three or a four, which is just let me crack on with do it, do it. Maybe just check in to make sure if it's anything I need. But apart from that, hands off and let me do it. And yeah, I would have done 100%. a way, way better job, way quicker, and you know, I would have enjoyed it a whole lot more. Yeah, definitely. So I think, like we said, it's definitely a horses for courses thing, and that's, and that's why we employ this model. Yeah. There is one thing here that we've talked about a few times is there's lots of uh, leadership people out there and you know, people who write on this stuff who talk about how you know, employee empowerment is really important and give people lots of responsibility and stuff. And you know, that's, that's very good as long as people are in the right situation. Yeah, that's uh, it. But frankly, there are people who do need to be micromanaged. They want it and they need it. And you need to do it for protecting your business as well. I mean, this kind of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you just you can't afford to let them you know, have the reins off because they'll, they'll make a terrible mistake. Yeah, and I think the thing is, is if you watch a lot of TikTok and read a lot of uh, Pinterest posts and, and the likes, um, you know, just try to remember that the quotes from these big business leaders, they're often talking about a CEO managing a C-suite of people. So like delegating outcomes every time and fully empowering people, that's great if they know what to do, you know, but like if you're actually employing this all the way down through your organisation, um, yeah, empowering people sometimes is actually throwing them to the wolves. And so you, you do need to hold people's hands sometimes. They need that help, but you need to be able to discern when to be involved and when to pull back so that you treat everybody the right way for the right situation. Yeah, and I know it sounds like hard work when you, you've got everything else going on with, with business. You know, you're looking at jobs and pricing work and chasing people up for money and, you know, delays and, and schedule problems and materials and stuff. It, it doesn't mean you need to treat everyone differently all of the time, every time you deal with them. This is like a tool to help you get your head in the game. And you'll know that you've got you know people in your business at similar levels, so you've probably got a bunch of tradespeople who are pretty competent and, and confident, and so you can kind of treat them the same. Mm. Unless they're on different tasks, which I think is important. And yep. the same maybe with your apprentices. Obviously, it's a more hands-on approach uh, yeah. with them as well. Uh, but it's just really useful for you to know. It gives you a way of thinking about you know how you're going to lead people. And I think that, that leads to the next point. As your business grows, and you know we work with hundreds of businesses who have managers, and then managers of managers... Mm. The big problem is your managers tend to just treat everyone the same as well because they haven't been trained with this. They don't understand the importance of situational leadership. Yeah. And that can create a huge problem. Often they are a little bit overbearing, yeah. a little bit dictatorial, but not always. So your job as the leader of leaders is then to educate your managers so that they understand that the people they're dealing with need to be worked in a different way. Well, actually, a really common one is that uh, a lot of the time when somebody is a, a newer manager, the newer to the situation, they've only recently been promoted and they were probably a very, very, very capable tradesman, for example, uh, that was probably getting really, really, really sick of being micromanaged. And so then they finally get this management role, they go up and they're managing other people and they go, I'm not going to do the thing that I hated being done to me. I'm going to be a better manager than that and I'm going to leave people to it and empower them to do their own thing. And they forget that uh, their interpretation of what was happening to them with their experience level is not the same as what they're going to have to do with people that have much lower experience and commitment and, and uh, competence. So it's it's a hard one, you know. And I think, again, like you say, it can be a daunting task. This is a lot to do. It's a lot to think about. Man, I understand you guys are busy. 
Uh, but like honestly, taking the time now and then to think a little bit more clearly about how you're going to deal with different situations is much easier than spending the oodles of time it's going to take uh, replacing your best tradesman because they left because they felt micromanaged when they shouldn't have and you're paying the opportunity cost of the work they could have been getting done. And again, much, much, much better than spending the time redoing all the jobs the apprentices screwed up because you delegated an outcome to someone that needed micromanagement. So the short-term pain of doing this right negates the long-term agony of not doing this right. So I think it's time well spent. Yeah, the, the longer we do this coaching gig, the more we understand that leadership and your leadership as the business owner is absolutely fundamental to getting the results, the life, the profitability, the vacations, you know, the lifestyle that you want. Uh, it is about upskilling yourself as a leader uh, that's because it. that's going to pay massive, massive rewards. And the, the businesses who, who move quicker and get better results, the people commit to learning about leadership. And this is a really key part of leadership. Everyone's different. You can treat them differently and they need to be treated differently. Yeah, totally. I think that's massive. So anyway, I think we've made the point. So yep. should we land this point? We should. So becoming an effective leader is absolutely crucial if you want to enjoy you know, more time, more freedom and more money from your business. And situational leadership gives you the tools to become an exceptional leader. Thanks heaps for listening. We'll catch you all again next time. See you later. Next week on the Profitable Trading Podcast. What separates successful trading and service business owners from the not-so-successful? Tune into next week's episode where we discuss one key characteristic that the successful owners have that the not-successful don't and how to get better at this quickly and easily. Congratulations on being part of a select group of savvy business owners who are taking their businesses to the next level. And to help you on your journey, don't forget to check out our show notes for a copy of our free book, The Profitable Trady, and other valuable resources. Thanks for being a part of this special group, and we'll see you in the next episode of The Profitable Trady Podcast.